Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. We're going to be doing something a little different today. Put out on my social media a couple days ago asking you guys to ask me some questions about anything sports related. So we're going to do a little bit of a Q&A today. Thank you to everyone who uh, answered a question, whether it's just a comment or uh, asking them multiple questions. Really appreciate it. I've wanted to do this for a long time, so I'm very happy that I got enough questions uh, to do this. So let's just hop straight into the questions. I've got them right in front of me. Got answers for every single one of them. So starting out, Eric Weir, his first question, why are you so damn sexy? You know, I can't explain it. Just can't explain it. Appreciate it, Eric. Eric's obviously the man, the main baseball guy. Uh, unfortunately, the Tar Heels went down yesterday in walk-off fashion to Arkansas. So, but a great season, great season for the Diamond Heels. Only going to go up from there. I'm sure Eric is proud of them. I know I am. Next question from my guy, Marsalis. That's another sports extra guy right there. Who will be the next Warriors star? Not named, obviously, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Uh, I'm actually going to go Jonathan Kuminga. I think uh, I really wish he got some run in this series. I mean, he's a big physical wing, can play good defense. Uh, I think his offensive game is pretty raw right now, but he's an athlete. He seems to have confidence. Uh, he, you know, he can really get downhill. I, I think he can be pretty efficient from the mid range. If Andrew Wiggins ever leaves uh, Golden State, if they can't resign him for for money reasons, I think Kuminga could slot in very nicely. Again, he's very young. He's very raw, but after a couple years, they could really develop him into a solid player who can score about, I would say, like 15 points per game and also defend on the other end. Yeah, he's just got massive potential. So I'm gonna go Kuminga on that one. And we got the next question from Ellie Fix. It says, does, well, we got a couple. We'll start with what's the difference between golf and football? The difference between golf and football is the fact that, you know, in golf, there's no, it's just you, you know, it's just you hitting the golf ball. It's uh, very individual oriented, you know, uh, football, you're trying to tackle people and in golf. You're not, I mean, I've never seen any violence on the golf course, except in happy Gilmore. When, um, Adam Sandler tried to tackle Bob Barker, from, from, what was it, Price is Right? Yeah, that's what it was. That's the only time I've seen violence on the golf course. So I'll say that's the biggest difference. Um, we'll go to Jay Banzette. He's been on the podcast before. This was one of my favorite ones that was asked. Rank the best athletes at Carolina this school year. So we're just talking about this year. I have my list ready. This actually took me a lot of thought because this has been a really good year for Carolina Athletics. We've got national championships, conference championships, finals appearances. I mean, just stars all around in, in so many sports. And there's so many athletes that I wish I could put in there that I love uh, that I have to leave out because I only did a top 10. Um, and what my factor in going into this uh, individual performance, obviously, is a big thing. How they affected their team winning. I think is also really impactful how uh, valuable they were as a player. And then I also uh, put into effect of just the likeness of, of the player. Uh, I think that's something that's really underrated. Uh, someone on this list I'll mention uh, transferred in and the Carolina community took him into full arms uh, and he became truly a fan favorite, even though he was only here for one season. So I'm taking that into account as well. So those three things are what really made this list for me. So let's start with an honorable mention. I really had to put him on there uh, as, an, as an honorable mention, but just because, again, just 10, only 10 spots. But Austin Greaser uh, for UNC Men's Golf, 
Uh, he played in the Masters as an amateur. I think that's really, really spectacular. He actually was uh, tied for the best score for an amateur, didn't make the cut, but uh, he had some impressive holes. You know, I, I actually happened to watch uh, and break down uh, his two rounds in Augusta, so I have to, I have to shout him out because uh, that's really impressive as, as just a college kid. But now we hop into the list. Number 10, I'm going Chris Gray, men's lacrosse. Obviously, men's lacrosse had a down year, but Chris Gray was phenomenal as usual. He had 48 goals, 32 assists, 80 points leading the team. He was the number two overall pick in the Premier League uh, for lacrosse, going to Atlas FC. Don't know too much about that, but obviously being the number two pick, uh, I think he's the highest Carolina pick in school history. So yeah, Chris Gray, phenomenal player. who's a, a Tour 10 finalist. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right yet again this year. Uh, so yeah, I got, I'm going to go with him at number 10. Number nine, I, I have a couple instances of this, but I'm putting two players at nine. I'm going Caleb Love and Brady Manick. Brady Manick is the guy, obviously, the beard. How can we forget him? He was so good for this Carolina team, making threes, uh, you know, really being a good complemental piece to to the guards with R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, and then uh, being that stretch four to help Armando out, not only on the boards, uh, but also kind of stretch the floor, really make this offense dynamic as we saw in that postseason run. Uh, and again, he be- just became a fan favorite. Everyone loved Brady Manick. Very nice guy. I uh, had the pleasure to interview him a couple times in the postgame. And um, he, he was truly a leader for that team, obviously being, being a fifth-year guy. And then I put Caleb Love on there because – I mean, those those performances in the tournament, I know at times we just want to tell Caleb, just slow it down a little bit, but that UCLA game dropping 30 points, uh, the Duke game hit the daggers, 28 points. Uh, again, that dagger over Mark Williams, just something special that I will never forget. Every Carolina fan, every student at that game or Washington Chapel Hill will never forget that moment because it is instilled in history, and we have to thank Caleb Love for that because... There aren't many guys who go out hunting for that shot, uh, but we love his confidence, and we are so excited that he's back for next season. So I have to go Love and Manic tied for ninth combined. They kind of go hand in hand, but yeah, two huge pieces for a tournament run. Number eight, I'm going to go Josh Downs. 101 receptions, 100 or 1335 for yards, or as I should say, 1,335 yards, eight touchdowns. He was phenomenal, one of the best receivers in the ACC, one of the best receivers returning to college football. That 7-11 connection was unstoppable. Uh, unfortunately, it was a down year for Carolina football, 6-6 six and six when we were preseason ranked number 10. Uh, that's why he is that low. I think he's electric. I think he's going to be really good once he makes it to the NFL. I mean, he's fast. He's twitchy. He's got it all. Um... But yeah, so I got him at eight. Number seven, I got Ali Mastriani, obviously, midfielder or uh, AC, uh, not ACC, uh, midfielder of the year for women's lacrosse. She had 48 goals. She was huge in that uh, championship game. She had two massive goals, had a lot of uh, draw control battles with Charlotte North. Um, and being midfielder of the year for, I believe, two years in a row, uh, truly spectacular. I mean, Mastriani, 6'1", really good athlete. She's fast. She's got good stick control. Uh, and I was really impressed watching her uh, in that championship game because they don't win that game without her, to be quite honest. So I got her at seven. Number six is the second instance of going with two. I'm going Fiona Crawley and Elizabeth Scotty. Uh, they won the ITA uh, championships, the indoors. Uh, they came up just short uh, in the NCAA tournament. They lost... Uh, in the semis, I believe, uh, but they were a fantastic doubles partner all year, pretty much the best team uh, for the most part of the season in doubles, and then Fiona Crawley to put the cherry on top, she made the semifinals for uh, the singles, for for NCAA singles tournament, made the semis as uh, being a 
I think 55th ranked overall. That's pretty impressive for for the, for just being a sophomore. Uh, they are really good players. Fiona's consistency when I went to see uh, the team play a couple times was really really impressive. And then Scotty compliments her well because she can definitely has a bit more power. But they play really well together, and it's fantastic because they just started playing this year, and they've got a lot, they've got a lot more time to go with next season and beyond. So I've got them being the tag team duo for number six. Now we get into the top five. I know I'm taking a while with this, but this was one I really thought about. Uh, Vance Honeycutt, for me, 25 home runs, 29 stolen bases. I mean, he just put on a show the last month of baseball. That home home run robbery against Georgia, uh, hitting hitting dingers just throughout the ACC tournament. I mean, he had uh, had one home run against Arkansas. That was our lone run in the first game loss. Uh, but yeah, just an electric player. And as a freshman, to come out of the slump that he did, yeah, he put a lot of people on notice. Number four. Deja Kelly averaged 16.5 points per game, leading women's basketball to a sweet 16. They are so fun to watch this year. Again, that's a sports extra colleague. Deja Kelly, one of the best, uh, one of the best players in the country, a great acre, a great person as well. Uh, I had a pleasure talking to her a lot throughout the semester. Uh, and they were actually the team that gave South Carolina the biggest run for their money in that tournament. And that was all because of Deja Kelly. I believe she had 23 points that game. She is just a phenomenal player, a mid-range sniper. And I know that women's basketball is not done there. They are going uh, to be a real threat to make the Final Four next season. They are all reloaded. Only lost Littlefield, uh, the point guard, in the process. So they are going to run that thing back. Uh, and Coach Banghart's got a great grip on that team. She is fantastic. Love watching women's basketball. So Deja Kelly at four. Number three, I'm going Aaron Matson. 27 goals, 10 assists. She broke the 100 goal mark in the win over Duke. I had the pleasure of covering that one. Um, four-time ACC Player of the Year. There's nothing much else to say there. She's one of the best woman, female athletes in the history uh, of of the of not only the sport but of the ACC and possibly the country. So yeah, I've got Matson at three. Armando Baycott, I've got at number two. Average 16 points, 13 rebounds, led UNC to a championship appearance. He was obviously the main catalyst. So dominant on both ends of the floor was robbed of ACC player of the year. It should have gone to Armando. I stick by that. And it was just so unfortunate how he got injured in the Duke game and then got re-injured in the in the Kansas game. So hard to watch uh, because uh, Baycott's given his all to this community. He's been through the ups and downs along with Leaky Black uh, with obviously the, the down season with Cole Anthony. And then uh, last year when we lost to Wisconsin first round, that was a really rocky year. But Armando Baycott is going to be one of the best players in college basketball this upcoming season. So happy he's coming back for the senior year. And then number one, have to go Jamie Ortega, uh, ACC all-time points leader. She had 113 points this season. I mean, she can truly do it all. It really impressed me that when watching her, she's not just a goal scorer. She's a facilitator. She sets up the offense. She always looks for her teammates. Such a selfless player, and she was obviously uh, the main engine, uh, main cog in that offense to get them to the championship game. And even when she was being face guarded and taken out of the offense, still scored two goals in the national championship game. And then obviously, because she broke uh, the ACC all-time points record, uh, passing Jen Adams, I have to give her the number one spot, and obviously her, along with Mastriani, winning the NCAA championship, getting the University of National Championships, another natty, uh, so impressive and a great way to end off their fantastic careers. So that's my lengthy explanation of my list of the top 10 players. Um, not every question will be answered this this in depth, but there's a really good question, Jay, 
for you to ask because there's so many great athletes on campus, like I said, like I've gone through. Um, so really cool to kind of analyze that one. So yeah, that, that's my list right there. Next up, we've got from Ryan Power, NBA top 10 or top five all time. I, I went with top five. I mean, this is kind of hard to do, but I go MJ, pretty pretty standard, I feel, for a lot of people. MJ at one, LeBron, uh, Kareem at three. I'm going Magic Johnson at four, best point guard of all time, although we'll have to see what Steph Curry says about that in the next few games. And then I'm going to go Kobe at five. Uh, I really liked Kobe as a kid. I loved his work ethic. The Mamba mentality is unmatched. Uh, great father, great score. Obviously, rest in peace. Everyone loves Kobe. Uh, I mean, five championships with the Lakers. Stuck with him his entire career. I love players like that, like him and Dirk. Guys who stick with the same franchise. Uh, that doesn't really happen as much anymore with free agency and, and all that. But yeah, Kobe, uh, I, I put him that high just because, again, his ability to just score at will. Um, and just lead, lead a team, the game winners, I mean, 81 points against my Toronto Raptors. Uh, and again, I, I think finals wins has, has a big impact on that. And also legacy, you know, it's not just your, your talent, your stats, it's your legacy that you leave behind. And I think for, for recent memory for me, uh, Kobe is definitely up there. So, uh, one of the best players of all time, got him at five. I put Wilt as an honorable mention because it's hard for me to rank Wilt because he played so long ago and I've never seen him play and the eras are so different. It's hard to kind of rank him for me. So uh, that's why as a younger guy, putting Kobe at five, I feel like is appropriate. So yeah, that's my list. All right, my next two questions come from Cole Cummings. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, First one, where do you rank Jason Tate among current NBA players? He's hard to rank. I do agree with that. When I thought about it for where he ranks right now, I would kind of slot him. uh, I would put him top 10. Because I feel like my top five, uh, not in order, LeBron, KD, Giannis, Curry, Luka, those are my top five for sure. I would probably give Embiid and Jokic the nod over Tatum. Um, I know he's not playing great right now in the finals, only 33% shooting. But I would probably slot him in that eight or nine slot. Uh, It's hard because I love Kawhi Leonard, but he hasn't played in a year. So we can't really put him to account. Paul George is also a name I kind of think about, but obviously he was kind of injured off and on this season. So I'll probably slot Tatum in between 8 and 10, but definitely a top 10 player right now. And then the next one from Cole, what do you think about the future of Danny Dimes? Now, I'm a big Giants fan, obviously. As you guys might know, listen to my very early episodes, talk about the Giants a lot, but I really think this is it. This will be Danny Dimes last year as a starting quarterback for the New York Giants. I don't think he's that good. I don't believe in his talent. He has a very bad turnover problem, can't hold on to the football, fumbles a lot. Uh, so I, I think that this will be it for him. Uh, it's either he's got to play out of his mind and make the playoffs or we're going to be six and 11, uh, and have another losing season. And we're going to go get a new quarterback because there's some good ones out there in the draft for next season. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, um, Will Levis, Levis, uh, a kid from Kentucky, I believe. I've heard his name on the radar. But my saying for this year, Bryce Young, here we come because the New York Giants, we are not going to be that good of a football team. I don't believe in Daniel Jones. I never liked the pick when it happened. I know he's a dookie, but that wasn't even into account. I just didn't, I didn't see the talent. I didn't see the upside for number six overall pick. You're, you got to go for greatness in this league. And Daniel Jones can be a good quarterback, but I don't think he can be a great quarterback. And you need a great quarterback to succeed in this league. Look at the quarterbacks who made their playoff runs last season. You got Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers was in the mix. Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones isn't going to be one of those guys. He's already shown that. So I think this will be his last season, and I don't think he's going to play well, and that's why we're going to be 
uh, quarterback hunting for the next draft. Next question from Theo Katz. Who is your pick for the College World Series? At this point, I have no idea because teams are going down uh, like crazy. We saw Tennessee go down. We saw uh, Virginia Tech go down. UNC obviously lost a lot of really good ranked teams just uh, just losing. Uh, the Tennessee one was shocking. Obviously, you got Drew Gilbert getting ejected because you cussed out Nump. You should have seen that coming, buddy. But I really don't have a pick right now. It's it's kind of it's kind of hard to tell. So yeah, I I don't really have an answer to that. I don't want to just throw a team out there uh, because I it's so unpredictable. But I think that's a good thing. You know, you don't uh, Tennessee being in would probably be cool to see some good baseball and some top players, but it being this unknown probably make it more interesting. Dwayne Calabash asked me, would college football benefit from a regulation system like Europe? This is a really interesting question when I when I kind of thought about it. I guess would it be like the bottom teams in a conference? Would they kind of be in like the second division or something? Um, interesting concept. I think for the state of college football, I don't think it would benefit. I think a lot of these teams and programs, they make a lot of money off of college football. It's a huge uh, revenue stream for these schools. And uh, if a team got relegated per se, I don't think they'd be very happy about that. A lot less people would go to games. They wouldn't be as important of a team. So I, I, I don't think it would, although it would be an interesting concept. It would put more competition out there for sure. More emphasis on winning because my biggest complaint right now in college football is that it's national championship or bust for a lot of top teams. Those those New Year's Six Bowl games aren't that important anymore. No one cares about the Rose Bowl anymore because it's not in the college football playoff. Well, why is it not in the college football playoff? Because we only have four teams. That's that's my big problem. They got they have to expand that first. I think that's a big change they need to make. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my thought on that. But very good question. Uh, interesting one to think of. I, I like the uniqueness of it. Ellen Campbell, uh, she said, I miss you. Miss you too, Ellen. Uh, she's uh, one of the seniors who graduated in Sports Extra. I talked about this in my return episode, but I love all the seniors in Sports Extra. It's really amazing to have a community like that who not only will teach you and kind of mentor you throughout the throughout your time in, uh, in the sports show I was in, but also just be great friends outside the show. So um, I, I am truly grateful for my entire my all my experiences with Sports Extra last semester and all those people. And yeah, those seniors are going to be missed. So appreciate the love. Uh, Jacob Sinkowski, another previous guest on the podcast. Donde esta la biblioteca? Um, yo no sé, voy a preguntar a Betty Troy. I'll speak speaking Spanish. I took level three Spanish in college. That's my experience with it. Uh, shout out Gambino, though. That, that's a reference from Community uh, in their little uh kind of uh, post-show moment uh, during the credits rolling. Love that show. Community season one was so good. I'm not even a big TV person, but I actually watched that very start of college with my freshman roommate, um, and we we loved it. Community was really really funny, well-written, funny jokes, and obviously love Childish Gambino. So, um, yeah, love that question. What sport needs fans the most? That one's from Jack Murphy. He has three questions. Um, Now, I kind of interpreted this in different ways. Uh... Because for me, it's like, okay, is it the sport that needs the most to kind of like to thrive? Like, do they need the fans to make the atmosphere like really good or to make the sport what it is? Or is it which sport needs the fans the most in terms of it's a dying sport and they need more of them, like in quantity? So I'd say for that example, the sport that needs fans the most would be golf because it's a very specific target audience, middle-aged men. That's the target audience for golf. Not many kids that are playing it as interested in it. 
um, learned about this in one of uh, my sports journalism classes in, in uh, at UNC. So I think they need more fans because it's not as popular of a sport anymore. Uh, the the main fans of the sport are, are getting older, and this younger generation isn't as big into it. So I think they need uh, they need fans the most out of any sport. But if we're talking about uh, the sport that needs fans, like just to, like thrive and make it what it is, hockey. Hockey needs fans. It makes the game so much more fun, so much better. All the all the the screaming and yelling. I mean, I, I saw on social media, Jimmy Fallon was at a Rangers game and he's just chugged a hot dog and a beer. Like it was nothing. I mean, it's hockey. It's, it's a very fun environment. One of the best environments in sports. Uh, and if there are no fans there, man, that atmosphere is just completely different for the players. Even just watching on TV, uh, hockey needs the fans so much. Second question from Jack Murphy. What's the hardest sport? This was a hard one too. I'd have to say baseball statistically getting three hits out of 10, at best, being having that being considered good, hitting 300, uh, statistically, that's that's very difficult to do. Uh, and for that to be considered really good, uh, obviously, hitting a baseball, the hardest thing in sport. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of other ones out there, but that was kind of the first one that came to mind. And then what game have you seen live that left you the most starstruck? Love this question, too. For me, because... I've been to a few games, but not like too many, or at least in big moments. But I would say when UNC played Northwestern in the regular season at home, I was covering it for the Daily Tar Heel, and I watched this game in person, obviously not on TV, but they won 20 to 9. And I was just, my jaw was dropping on their chemistry and how on point they were with their passes. It was just like goal after goal after goal. And they, they ran away with that game. And again, this is the Northwestern team that pushed them to the brink in the semifinals. Northwestern at the time in the regular season was like six. The UNC was two. Uh, but this was a really good Northwestern team. They got a lot of offensive firepower, a good goalkeeper. And UNC just blew them out of the water. I was so impressed with how many goal scores they had and and with how that ball just stayed on the string. Just their passing was so elite. That left me the most starstruck because I realized uh, that was probably, I think that was the first women's lacrosse game I ever went to in person. Obviously, because freshman year, we couldn't really go to games. But yeah, that left, I was stunned with how good they were. Just simply as that, just how amazing they were. So that, that would be my answer to that one. Uh, and then that's all, that's all the main questions that I, oh, actually, nope. I got one more question. Forgot about this one from Theo Thomas all the way in France. Theo, if you're listening, hope you're doing well, man. Uh, Theo is one of my good old, uh, camp friends, uh, out in West Virginia. Uh, very good soccer player. I I had to try keeping up with him during the summers, but yeah, uh, he asked me and let me pull it up because this is the one I forgot to screenshot and write down. All right, got it pulled up. He said, will you do an episode or more on European soccer? Uh, I definitely have thought about it. Uh, I I'm I need to get into soccer a little more to get to get more educated. I think the problem I have with some episodes where I'm doing sports I'm not too familiar with is I, I, I want to seem authentic with my reaction. I want to watch games, uh, get my own analysis, not take it from someone else. So I think I need to pay a little bit more attention to it to to kind of talk about it now I think there are great opportunities for that Champions League I pay attention to the Champions League a little bit I think I could talk about that uh, I used to be a big Premier League guy could talk about um, some soccer there I will definitely be doing World Cup up episodes though whether it's America going far uh, France Belgium Brazil so many great uh, teams great countries I love the World Cup one of the greatest sporting events in the world 
Uh, so I will definitely be talking soccer during the World Cup when it comes up later this year. So hopefully uh, any big soccer fans out there, I got you guys. We'll be bringing you some of that when it comes around. And those are all the questions that I have. Um, thank you so much again to everyone who submitted questions. This was one of the, my most fun episodes, I think. I really enjoyed preparing for this. Uh, I think the fact that I actually spent t- 25 minutes on uh, a solo episode, I think says a lot. I love uh, kind of giving my my thoughts on, on questions like this. I think them coming to me spontaneously from other people. Uh, I think it's, it's really fun. So really enjoyed doing this. Thank you again to everyone. I keep saying thank you, but... Again, I, I love doing this. I will hopefully be able to do this in the future. Maybe I'll bring a guest on to do it. So yeah, that's going to do it today for 125 Unfiltered. Stay tuned for tomorrow when I break down and recap the crucial Game 5 of the NBA Finals between the Celtics and Warriors. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.